Welcome to the Creating from the Inside Out, Embracing and Empowering Our Unique and Creative Selves podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Waldo. In this podcast, I talk about what it means to embrace our unique and creative selves, how we can do it, how I've learned that by embracing our creative selves and our own uniqueness, we can empower all of us. As part of this, I share how my path of embracing my unique and creative self has changed over the years, how it worked when I first started doing it, what it looks like today, and how I'm learning to do it more and more every day in the midst of the ups and downs of daily life and all that's going on in the world. And in this podcast, I share how by embracing and empowering my unique and creative self, my work, my art, and ultimately my life has changed for the better. And yours can too. So join me as we go on this journey of embracing and empowering our unique and creative selves together. Welcome back to the Creating from the Inside Out podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how we can stop becoming the best, our best selves or our better selves or our improved selves or our made over selves. Um, and really just let ourselves be us. So basically, how to let go of trying to be your best self and just allow yourself to be you. So we're going to dive into this. Before we do, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my situation here. First of all, you might hear a cat purring. I've mentioned this in the podcast before because I have this cat. We call her Art Cat, but she has another name. But I also call her Art Cat. She's still living in my office. She hasn't integrated with the rest of the cats. Um, And she loves to sit on my lap, especially when I uh, podcast. And so you may hear her purring. And she right now is just loving sitting on my lap. So um, it's very sweet. I get to pet her and look out the window at the mountains. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous day here. And Montana, um, I'm at home. And my some of my family members are off snowboarding. Um, and I opted not to which is very shocking because um, I used to never miss an opportunity to snowboard. Uh, But this kind of ties into this conversation of like, you know, just letting yourself be you, whatever you are, whatever you're feeling right now. And, um, you know, how much I have found that in my past and in the world around us, there's this constant message of being this other version of you, 
you know, this better you or whatever. Um, now I am maybe behind the times on this, but, uh, I discovered the term glow up. I think it's called glow up, uh, about a week ago where I happened to stumble across this person who talked about how they had done this glow up thing, which is, I guess, big on Instagram or had been for a number of years. I had no idea it existed, but where you, you know, you do all these things to become this better version of yourself. And, um, and this person was talking about how it made them miserable. And I was like, uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, it, just really goes so in line with all the things that I've learned and come to understand about just letting me be me. And part of that is, you know, and and letting you be you, whatever that is. Um, I really have come to understand that, you know, that our freedom of our energy and our power and our own personal power comes when we allow ourselves to do that for ourselves. And it also comes because we allow other people to do that as well. Um, And so it can be simple things like being okay, being on a podcast where there's a cat purring in the background, you know, Um, or a dog barking in the background, which you may hear because my son's dog is upset that she's uh, alone and he's not with her today. um, So she might bark or whatever other quote unquote imperfections or things that don't seem like, you know, some kind of glamorous thing they need to seem like or be like for us to be you know, seen as um, perfect or a better version of ourselves. And this is what I'm going to be talking about today. But let me give another example. So um, a number of years ago, I had bought um, a book for my niece. She has since, um, she has since passed uh, still a number of years ago. But I kept this book um, that I bought for her and um, it was written for teens by somebody well known in the personal development space, kind of like the, a partner of somebody in that space. And, um, and I thought, you know, I thought this book was interesting and useful for a teen, you know, 20 four years ago, 24 years ago, when I, when I bought it, um, I thought, well, it, it, you know, I'm sure it's fine. So I, I mentioned it to my son and I said, Hey, you know, check this out. And I hadn't looked at it really. Um, and he came back to me and he's like, I was reading it and I'm just, I don't know, I'm not kind of feeling very good. So I was like, well, okay, then stop. Um, and so I picked it up and I was looking at it and I was like, oh no, oh no. Like I couldn't even get past the first sentence, the first page without finding that um, while there's a lot of stuff in there that is relevant to what 
I used to believe it's in direct opposition to what I have found to be true for myself now. And um, what I've actually found is that it's very disempowering. So let me give you a couple of examples. Um, um, well, the first, the first, um, <laughs> the first thing is a quote um, by someone and uh, I'm not going to get into specifics because I don't, I don't really want to name names and say who did this quote or who wrote this book or whatever. Um, cause that's, that's just really not the point. Um, but if there was a quote, it's the very first line of this first chapter of this book. Um, and the quote is talking about success, success being, uh, the result of perfection, um, hard work, learning from failure, in some other words, um, and I'm not going to say the exact thing because then you'll probably look it up and see who it's from. And that's just not my point. But my first issue was with perfection. <laughs> perfection. Now, I used to know that I had, um, I was perfectionistic. I, I was aware of that. I think even as a teenager, like I would joke about my perfectionistic qualities, um, and then I, you know, was aware of it when I was in my twenties and my thirties and even now, um, well beyond that period. And, you know, but I don't know that I really understood, uh, you know, so much about this term perfection as what I've woken up to the awareness of it, um, in the last, say, like a lot of clarity around it in the last five years. Um, I mean, I, I definitely felt like, you know, and I was aware that, oh, perfectionism doesn't serve you conceptually. But I don't think that it was until within the last, you know, four years that I've come to realize, among many things, how much we are culturally conditioned to do certain things and yet we're told other things. So there's this, you know, perception, um, oh, don't be, don't be a perfectionist and don't, don't embark on perfectionism. And yet inherent in our culture is this definition of what is perfect, that you, that there is a certain thing you should be, and you should get to that. And then once you get to that, you get certain things. Um, you get certain rewards or certain benefits or certain experiences. And I have learned time and time and time and time and time and time and time, oh, times a bunch again, of how that is not true. It is not true. I have always found that anytime I am trying to get to something that I think is going to get me something that I think that I don't have, or I think that um, I want to get that I, you know, am not experiencing right now, that um, I do not actually ever 
kind of ever get there. Or if I get there, when I get there, I realize that that thing that I thought that I was going to get from getting to that place is not actually doing it for me (laughs) Um, over and over and over again. And it's interesting because when I had my connecting in word program, when I was, um, when I launched it, and then I did this like more in-depth program with a a group of people, um, I found myself over and over and over again saying, you know, you don't get to connect, like connecting deeply within yourself becomes harder and more difficult to do when you are like trying to get to this like certain destination. And I don't think that I really, it was like my deepest guidance was telling me that to share that, um, to support, you know, the people that I was teaching how to do connecting inward. But I don't know that I fully understood, um, kind of like why that is, uh, in the way that I do now. And one of the great ways that I came to kind of like think about perfection, um, was when I was doing, uh, like, I think I was doing connecting inward or I was just out walking or whatever. And just this, you know, awareness came to me from my own deepest inner knowing, um, which was about perfectionism and it, things being perfect. And it was about nature. And I love nature. I am just, oh my gosh, I just, nature has always brought me back to clarity. Um, When I feel lost, or I felt confused, or I just have not known, you know, how to navigate the world, getting into nature and, and being in nature and just being in it, um, you know, has always served me so much. Um, also being around animals, wildlife, um, any animal, even domestic animals too. Um, but especially wildlife as well. Um, all all of that. And, um, what came to me was this, was this idea about, um, trees, you know, and I, I've loved conifer trees. I've loved, um, which are kind of like, I'm not a tree expert here, so bear with me, but like, you know, the ones with the needles, um, that kind of like some people call them pine trees, but pine is just one type of a, a tree that is a conifer. Um, and then I probably am getting things all wrong because there are probably trees that have needles that maybe aren't called conifers. I don't know. I don't really care to get into the specifics of the details, but I'm talking about, the kinds of trees that don't have leaves, they have some kind of needle of some sort and they're kind of like evergreen. That's what I'm talking about. I have always loved those trees. Um, always. And there's just something about being around those trees that just has spoken to my soul. And when I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, we had some of those trees and we had a lot of other trees too. Um, And when I would go to Lake Tahoe, um, up into the mountains, I would just like, my heart would soar to see 
you know, all of the trees like that, all of the evergreen trees. And then when I would go back home into the San Francisco Bay Area, I would find myself like scanning the landscape to find you know, these trees, and I would just kind of like fixate on them. I would just kind of fixate on them and just almost like take them in like a, like a drink of, of water. And just like, just almost like it was like, I was kind of like getting my oxygen from tuning into them. Um, and it's interesting because now I live, you know, I live in Montana and we have them all around. I mean, there are other trees too, but we have them all around and on our property. I'm looking at them right now. They're on the, you know, they're on the mountains in front of me and they're everywhere. And my soul just feels so, oh, so at home here, you know, so, so um, invigorated and inspired by, you know, this place in Montana that really speaks to me and what I love. And the thing that I, had come to me as awareness about um, perfectionism and being perfect was, you know, I look at trees a lot. I look at them and I I started painting trees a lot, actually. Um, When I first started painting, uh, I started doing watercolors and I was doing a lot of trees um, because I really liked mountains and trees, trees and mountains, mountains and trees, trees water and mountains, <laughs> kind of like big themes in, in what I love. Um, I've always loved them. And so it would make sense that I would start painting them. And then when I started doing acrylics, I, I was doing some trees too. Um, but what I started to do was I started to really, I don't know, just, I would just, I've always looked at trees and I started to notice how different the trees are. And I wasn't trying to study them. I was just noticing it. I was noticing, oh, you know, like in my front yard, there's the trees, there's the evergreen. I don't know if these are firs or pines or what are they, but the ones that have the branches that kind of come down. And then right next to it, there's the branches that kind of go up and they both kind of have short needles, but um, the one has shorter needles than the other. And then the horse pastures, we have um, some of these ones that have like the longer needles um, and they're kind of bushier looking, which I didn't used to like, but now I love them too. And why am I talking about all these trees? Because what I what I came to understand the one day, what awareness came to me was that I find trees to be beautiful. And there is such beauty and joy that I feel in tuning into trees. Um, but what came to me and my guidance that one day was there is no one single tree that is the thing that all trees should be. In other words, there's no perfect single perfect tree prototype. And then any other tree that isn't quite there is not, you know, didn't reach its mark, was like trying, was hoping to, was aspiring to be this better tree and kind of like, you know, was trying to reach the mark or didn't. Like, I don't think about trees in those ways and I never have. And it was kind of like when this awareness hit me, I was like, 
there is no perfect tree. And I never thought there was a perfect tree, but it, it kind of like, it kind of opened me up to the concept of perfection. The idea that something could be perfect, that there is this one thing or one way or this one place or this one destination. And then that gives us something. What I found is that every tree is amazing in and of itself. Like sometimes I go out into the forest and I see the trees that have like, you know, they've like lost all their branches. And I look at them. And as I start to kind of tune into them more, I start to see the beauty in their lack of branches, you know, and then there's the ones with lots of branches, or, you know, there's this, um, I think it was like last summer, I started to become aware of this, this birch tree that um, was just the trunk, because it had, um, it had all, I don't know, like, maybe the branches had come off in the snow or, or whatever. It was just old. Um, but I started to see the beauty in that birch tree that is just kind of like the, it wasn't like kind of like a stump road really low to the ground. It was still like a tall tree trunk, but it didn't have any branches left. And it was just kind of like this kind of like shell of a trunk of a birch tree. And, and, but I would see it and it was just like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. There's no quote unquote perfection there. Um, and so I started, you know, to kind of like one day have this like realization, like there is no perfection in what God creates because everything, everything is, you know, has its value, has its beauty. Um, everything can be seen with, you know, when we kind of tune into the energy of it, we can see, we can see something in it. Um, and this is something that I've, I've come to learn more and more as I've kind of gotten able to realize that um, it's like I, I wake up to certain lies or beliefs about what a certain thing is, you know, like, oh, that thing is ugly. Um, that thing is pretty. Um, that thing is good. That thing is bad. I've, I've learned to kind of I don't know, kind of tune into the essence of something, the energy of something in nature in particular. Um, and it's really, I don't know, it, it's opened my eyes to the idea that I don't believe there is a single perfection. And um, I don't believe that there is a single, you know, like destination for anything to get to, to then get to something. What I've found is that that is just really just an untruth that we or I, but I think many of us have believed and bought into because it's kind of culturally what's been just kind of like an unconscious thing, uh, an 
unstated thing, um, but it affects it affects everything. It affects all kinds of things. So here was this book, you know, um, for teens that I was giving to my son. And one of the first, you know, sentences in it was about, you know, sex or sex. (laughs) Oh my gosh, is that a Freudian slip or what? Success is the result of perfection. And I was like, uh, I don't buy that at all. And I gave my son this book. <laughs> like, no, no. So I said to my son, I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean to give you that book here. Um, take it back. I don't, I, you know, like, um, I mean, if you want to read it, if it connects to you, you know, I like my kids to come up with their own discernment of things. Um, but I try to share with them things that I've learned and then let them come to their own conclusions about things. But um, I didn't want him to think that this was something that I endorsed and that I find to be true for myself because I don't, I don't. Um, and then, and then it, 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 it went on. Um, it goes on to talk about these two different teenagers and, and, you know, like <laughs> the one teenager, this one teenager it was just describing this teenager um late teenager who always seems to be in control always confident you know has dreams and pursues them um you know resolved to be this and resolved to be that and i was like always in control always in control always confident i'm like right there oh like The book was basically saying that, you know, if you want to be like this star teenager, teenager who's listening to this book or reading this book, then be like her and she's always in control and she's always confident. And I I read that and I was like, ooh, ooh, man, I do not agree with that. I do not agree with that. I've found that that is BS. It is not true. And um, it's that kind of stuff that didn't serve me for a really long time um, where I didn't, it's like I was trying to turn, this is getting back to the topic of the, you know, the, the title of this episode. Like I was trying, when I bought into that stuff, when it sounded good to me, was when I thought that there was a better version of me that I needed to get to. That if I could just get to this better or best version of me, then X, Y, Z, then I could feel A, B, C, X, Y, Z. You know, I could get this other thing. Um, I could experience this other thing. And what I found was that that is not, and has not been true for me. Um, because I I have gotten to those places over and over and over again. And I found I didn't get the thing that I thought that I was going to get by getting to that place. I, I And what I came to understand is that it's not... Um, me that was wrong it's what I was 
buying into that I had been told that was not true. That was wrong. That was what wasn't serving me. The idea that I need to be into this, I need to get to this place of perfection or I need to get to this destination to get something or I need to be this certain way or in the case of this book, like what this book was talking about with this teenager is, you know, this teenager always seems to be, you know, in control and always confident, always in control. I have found that when I try to be in control, is when I, A, have the least fun, B, actually have no control of anything, um, and C, I'm miserable. The more I try to control everything, the more I find myself not serving myself. So this book saying for a teenager, you know, this girl, this teenage, this model teenager sets out to be in control and other teens should be that too. I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I have found that when I let go of my need to control, when I let, because there is actually no control, there is no control. It, it it's, it's like when I'm in control I'm actually blocking my own flow of my energy. I'm restricting my own energy. I'm restricting my own power. That is what control is. And it's not true. When I'm allowing myself and trusting myself and being myself and flowing myself, that is where the truth is for me. And that is what has served me over and over and over again. So this idea of being in control um, and trying to control everything, to me, I have found is not true. The same thing with always being confident. That was the other thing this book says. This this supposed case study teen that the teen readers of this book should check out is about always being confident. Always being confident. Like seriously, always being confident? That is also, I have found, so does not serve me. Anytime I have tried to appear like I am always confident, it is because I am actually completely not confident. And the thing is, it's because I'm facing or I'm trying to pursue some kind of false illusion Confidence doesn't come from trying to pretend you're confident. There is really, it's, to me, confidence is just a whole, like, I don't know, really, I don't, I don't even like to use that word because what I feel like it's the word is not even something that I even buy into. It's, it's BS, what really is true is me listening to myself, me following myself, me being authentic to myself. When I do that, I come from a place of centeredness, of power within myself, which is different than power I've gained from outside of myself where someone told me I'm 
this, that, or the other, or I won an award or whatever. Power from within myself is where I am accepting my own energy and I'm flowing it, all of it, all of it, and I'm flowing it. And when I'm doing that, that is actually what enables me to be able to go out in the world and do things and experience things that I didn't think that I could do or I didn't maybe know how to do, but I navigate it. That is what empowerment is to me. And it doesn't come from outside and it doesn't come from acting like you're confident. Um, I found that that just does not serve me. And to be honest, it's always kind of been like, just kind of like a, an illusion. And so this idea, getting back to, you know, what I, what I'm talking about as the title of this episode, or what I'm probably going to call the title of this episode is, you know, to stop trying to become your better self or best self and just start letting yourself be you. That's what I found serves me that for so many years, it's like I ran from who I truly was, what I truly liked, thinking that I needed to be this other version of me that would be the better version of me or the best version of me. And um, what I have found is that the me that is me at the soul and heart of me has always been there, has always been there, and has always been communicating with me in ways, calling me to let myself be that. But it's when I've gotten caught up in this whole trying to be some other version of me or getting to some supposed better version of me that I actually am not me at all. That I actually become this version of me that feels disconnected from me. I'm going to pause for a moment. Sometimes I find that life and things as I'm recording just come around to just kind of give me a break um, or just change, you know, I don't know kind of the energy of what I'm talking about. And as I was sitting here looking out at this beautiful mountain and these trees, um, I happened to notice uh, we have a mule next door. Um, our neighbor's property um, has a mule. They have a mule. And um, he's he's very sweet. And I saw him kind of come right into my line of vision. Um, and he was out there. And I also saw a deer like in the same pasture with him. And it's, I don't know, it was just something that I had to pause for a moment and kind of like let myself just be present in 
experiencing that, the beauty of the fact that this mule and this deer kind of live in harmony in this pasture. And I'm maybe this just seems so unrelated to what I've been talking about. And you're like, what is she talking about? I, I kind of don't know why I'm saying this right now, but I feel compelled to talk about it. I, I, I guess because what I've found is that when we just start letting ourselves experience things becoming aware of things like me becoming aware of noticing the mule or noticing the deer even when it doesn't make any rational logical sense to notice it or talk about it or whatever it is it is in doing that that we start to get into a practice of just listening to ourselves and letting ourselves tune into ourselves. And it is when we do that, that we start connecting more to our deeper truth of who we really are. At least this is what I've discovered. That the more that I do this, the more that I practice myself, just practice letting myself just be okay in observing or experiencing whatever it is that I'm experiencing versus trying to get to a certain destination or trying to get a certain thing or trying to be a better version of me or a more improved version of me or the highest version of me or a more perfect version of me. I actually find that just in being me and noticing what I notice, that that is actually what does it. I'm going to segue a little bit and talk about some (laughs) big change maybe a big change. I I think it's a big change that, um, that's going on in my life right now. So I don't know. We, we, you know, we have these horses, we have like, you know, two dogs now, too many cats for most people to comprehend. Um, I have, we have a, a lizard. I have two pet mice. Um, that is, we have deer that live in our property and all kinds of other amazing animals that I love, love, love being able to see, you know, eagles and hawks and crows and um, all kinds of birds. And, and just, it's just amazing. I love Montana and I love, I love where we live here now. Um, And, (laughs) but one thing that has come up for us multiple times um has been chickens um when I lived in California there was a woman that I I met through some stuff that I was doing and she she went on to get really into chickens um and I I remember like connecting with her on Facebook and watching and just being like oh that's so cool she's so into chickens you know like there must really be something to chickens um but I never really thought a whole lot of it. Um, my mom was terrified of birds when she was, you know, 
I guess she got attacked by a bird when she was a kid. So um, I love like wild birds, but I've, I think like some part of me was always nervous about like, like domesticated birds at some level, just because of my mom, like, and not being exposed to them the way I was other animals. Um, so then fast forward, you know, we moved to Montana, everybody here has chickens. Um, I remember going into Murdoch's, this farm store, and seeing the chicks and kind of being like, oh my gosh, they're so cute. We should maybe get chicks. And then being like, oh, we're so not ready for this. And then the next year, the same thing. And we kind of tried to like look up some articles um, about chicks and like try to research where we would even begin. But I think the timing wasn't wasn't right. Um, and And yet now we have brought home uh, two days ago, a day ago. I don't know. I've lost track of when it was, um, two days ago. No, yesterday, uh, 10 chicks, 10 chicks, two, uh, two of each of different kinds of breeds of chickens, all hens. And, um, we, we like took the plunge and, uh, how did this happen? I don't know. It just, it's been in the back of our minds for a while. And then we kind of were like, maybe we should check it out. And (sighs) there's no logical reason for us to get chicks right now. And this kind of ties into what I was talking about. It's not like, I mean, yeah, we eat eggs. We do eat eggs. We are not, uh, we did not get chickens to eat them for chicken, um, like, for meat. Um, we got, we got them really just to experience having chickens. And, um, and then we figured, well, we do eat eggs so we could benefit from the eggs. Um, so that's why we got chickens, but there was like no rational reason. Like I'm really busy. I don't really have time to take on something else. My husband's very busy. My kids weren't like, let's get chickens, but there was something there was something about chickens and now that kind of came, it just came to me one day, like chickens. And I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, oh, I went to Murdoch's to get something else. And then I saw the little sign and it said chick days. And I was like, oh, it's that time of year. Cause they sell out here like hotcakes. They get them in and then they're just like gone instantly. Um, and then that's it. There's no more chicks. They get them like, it's like a February thing and then that's it for the year. Um, and so we've kind of observed this. And so I just said to my husband, I'm like, I think we should just do it. We should just, this is the year we should just do it, you know? Um, and things just kind of like lined up, like, Last year, we kind of thought maybe we would do it. And we tried to kind of like do some research and we kept getting all this contradictory information and we couldn't kind of, I don't know, it was so crazy. It was like, we couldn't get the basic information on chickens, just having them. This year, it's like everything just kind of fell into place. I like had this idea. The next thing you know, um, I found this like the blog on the, um, the store, the, the store where we would get the chicks, they have a blog that had like some articles that gave the exact information we were looking for. And then, um, I just kind of like 
found a couple of things on YouTube and they were the exact videos I needed to watch um, to answer questions. It's like everything just went boom, 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 fell into kind of place. And now we have 10 chickens in the other room and we got like this little brooder um, box that somebody of course happened to be selling on Facebook and that way we didn't have to like make it um, we could just come home with it um, and you know it just kind of like boom 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 all lined up and this is kind of what I found like this is my point like there's no logical reason for getting chickens but I have found that already just in um, having these chickens like there's something about about them that I am so enjoying like I don't know I I just watching them and then um I've had to do this thing it's just kind of gross but where they get like um they get like this little you know little little mess on their on their back end and I, I had to kind of hold them and clean them off and I you know, it didn't seem like a very appealing thing to do, but like I did it. And then I was like, I felt so like connected to them. Like here I am taking care of these little chicks, you know? And the reason I'm talking about this is because it's like going, my cat, my art cat is clawing on the couch behind me. If you heard that, um, my, the chicks, it's like I go in and I check on them and I'm just kind of observing them and I'm just kind of like, get. it's like it gives me an opportunity to practice just observing things and just being and just noticing how much I'm delighting in just watching these little chickens like the first time you know I went in and they were all like asleep I was like oh my god are any of them dead you know and then they and then like you know they were fine or like just noticing how they they're so funny they just like they run around and then they just it's like they get just exhausted and they just like poop, fall asleep like right there like they they were running and then they stop and then they just sleep and it's just so fun and it's so funny and I'm finding that there is just something so amazing and beneficial to me of just being in this state of watching these chicks and it's in watching these chicks that I am just it's like I'm being present I'm not trying to get to any set destination you know we've got them they've got their little heat lamp they've got their food they've got their water and you know I'm I'm taking care of them I'm not trying to make anything happen but I'm just going in and I just am just kind of being present and seeing what's happening and this practice is actually just it's like me sinking into me 
it's me sinking into just being me feeling connected with these chicks um just being present allowing things to just kind of come and flow um and it's the same thing when I just watch the trees or when I look at the mule outside and see it with the deer or I watch my horses what I have found over and over and over again is that when I just start listening and following these small little whispers within myself like maybe get some chickens you know and it just kind of all falls into place that often that thing also becomes a path that is one in which I kind of become more centered and empowered within myself. I come to more centeredness and peace within myself. And it may seem kind of counterintuitive, um, or it may seem like it goes against all of what the books say, or maybe, you know, personal development paths have said, or, you know, this, that, or the other have said. But what I have found is that the more that I do that, the more that I actually come from a place within myself of authenticity and truth and personal power, my own personal power, my own personal flow and energy, which is the ability to kind of go out and do things that maybe to the outer world might seem, you know, hard or that it like takes confidence or that it takes, um, you know, skill or whatever. The more that I listen to myself, the more that I become present in myself by just doing these things and being these things and letting myself be, the more it's like to the outer world, I would seem confident. And I don't do it to try to be confident. But I know that in being more centered and in being more myself and in being able to listen more to myself, I do these other things that I've heard other people respond to and say, wow, how did you do that? Or how did you know to do that? Or how was it you were able to do that? And it has happened over and over and over again. Some examples of things that I have done that I would not have been able to do had I not kind of tuned into myself in this way. Some examples of things would be, um, you know, 
being able to work full time through college uh, and get a degree, uh, which is something I wanted to do. Now I actually think I learned way more from my horses than I ever did my college degree, but that's okay. Um, that's another topic. Uh, but I did that. Um, moving across the country when I was in my early 20s from Pennsylvania to uh, the San Francisco to San Francisco without a job, without um, a place to live, without knowing a single soul just packing up in my car, me, myself, and I, and going off and doing it. It's something that a lot of people later would be like, how did you do that? How did you have the confidence to do that? Or how did you have the ability or just the courage to do that? Well, it's because of the way in which I listened to myself. And this is what I'm talking about. I didn't get the courage to do that by trying to become a perfect version of me and then set out to do that. I did it because of listening to myself and so many other things, so many other things. Um, Starting a company when I was in my late 20s and I was, you know, one of not that many female CEO and founders that was in Silicon Valley that was not a common thing. It took a lot of courage and um, it took a lot of bravery to do that. And I had a lot of other people afterwards be like, well, how did you do that? It was the same thing. These outer things that often look like you do them, you know, you try to get to a place to get to something. It's like the gold in life what I call the gold, the magic, the amazing experiences in life, I have found over and over and over again of what we truly want and what we truly are come from us. Letting go of this idea of trying to become a better version of us or, you know, our best self or some other improved version. And us just starting to let ourselves be and accept and be okay with and be be present with all of what we are right now. And that the more that we do this, the more we begin to realize that all that other stuff is literally just an illusion of not true stuff that doesn't lead to peace and contentment and joy and the magic and the gold and the happiness and all the empowerment of what what I have found to be the most empowering, beautiful, joyous Um, amazing experiences in my life that all of the best experiences in my life have come from me listening to me over and over and over again and me listening to the me that I am in this moment and that is not a perfect version of me That is me coming to learn to accept all of the versions of me in any moment. 
That can be the fat me. It can be the thin me. It can be the angry me. It can be the happy me. It can be the sad me. It can be the scared me. It can be the courageous me. I have found that when we truly let ourselves be and accept and embrace all of the me's that we are, because there is no set perfect destination or you or me that we're trying to get to. It's like the world opens up. It's like a whole new world opens up. And that has been worth its weight in gold. And that is what I call empowerment from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. The inside of exactly what you are right now. What you feel right now. And that it's okay. So I'm going to end on that for today's episode. Until the next time. I'm so glad you tuned into today's episode of the Creating from the Inside Out, Embracing and Empowering Our Unique and Creative Selves podcast. If you're enjoying this show, hit the subscribe button. Share this episode with others and leave me a rating and review in iTunes. To connect with me, visit me on Facebook and Instagram at the Creating from the Inside Out podcast, where I share related content and support on how we can empower our unique and creative selves from the inside out. To learn more about me and my other offerings, you can visit my website at michellewaldo.com. Dot com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-W-A-L-D-O dot com.